is the first chapter from the epistle from Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God our Father uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure uh, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Jesus Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything uh, in conformity with the purposes of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, uh, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the world to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks be to God, our Father. For those who are visitors with us, um, as I said earlier, we are looking um, at who we are. It's part of uh, a process that uh, some of us are undertaking that we will inform the congregation about during this series, actually. Uh, Discovery 
course that uh, Tear Fund do to look at how a congregation and resource a congregation mainly in its thinking as to how it can impact the area around about it. And the first thing in that Tear Fund process is to celebrate who we are, to find out who we are before we do anything. And that's what we're in the process of doing. And so for the first two weeks of it, I thought we would look at the very basics of who we are and uh, that relationship we have in Christ. Last week we were looking at ourselves being ragamuffins, scallywags. We used uh, an over-the-rhine phrase that I think has come out during the week, certainly in conversations to me. Uh, They have this phrase about one of their loved ones that says, 80% angel, 10% demon, and the rest is hard to explain. And I think that speaks about most of us as individuals and certainly Fitzroy as a congregation. It's 80% angel, 10% demon, and the rest is at times incredibly hard to explain. So we come from there realizing that there's something flawed within us. That as Paul said about himself, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do are the things I do. And we're aware very easily of our feelings and our sins and that we're ragamuffins. And then last week as we looked at Romans chapter 3, we saw that there was this word come in called but, a word that is but. And I remember a, a, a minister, my first minister in my home congregation in Harryville did an incredible sermon on just two words, but God. And he looked at all the phrases in the scriptures where something happened and then those words came around, but God. And I suppose that's where we were last week. Here we were, we were beginning to sort of go, oh, how useless are we? We are really worms. And then God broke into it. And a righteousness came in Romans 3, it says, that is not from us, not from the law or keeping the law, but which is through Christ. Grace broke in. And this week, I'm telling us that we are not, well, we are ragamuffins and we are still ragamuffins. But somehow as we're ragamuffins and as we're those people who have somehow failed and are sinful, The title today is, We Are Grace Lavished, Holy and Blameless, and a whole lot more. As I look out today on all of your little faces, whatever you're thinking when I say the phrase, it doesn't matter at all, because the truth is that you are holy and you are blameless if you are in Christ Jesus. I don't care what you're, no, I know what's going on in your mind right now, and we don't want to hear it. We don't want to see it. Probably neither does your wife, your husband, or your good best friend. You know the ragamuffin. You know the 10% demon. In fact, some of you have been trying to get the percentage up during the week, and I'm not having it. And not just the ones that laughed. (laughs) We are, this morning, in this building, holy blameless, redeemed, adopted into the family of God, heirs of God the Father, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are sealed by his Holy Spirit. It is finished. If you're like me and you hate Manchester United, you are aware of a thing that happens at the end of every football match called added time. Sir Alex has a little thing 
on his bench that he presses. And the added time that goes into the referee's ear is, as long as it takes for United to equalise. <laughs> we saw it again yesterday, sorry for those who aren't interested. But it went the other way. Wasn't it lovely? <laughs> Wasn't there some justice in the world yesterday morning and afternoon? 3-1 up going into injury time and they conceded two goals. But did you notice what happened next? Everton are on their way up to score a third goal and to win it. And as they cross the halfway line and make the final ball to shoot, the referee blows the whistle because when Manchester United are leading, Alex presses a button that says, stop it at any stage when we might lose. Now, why do you say that? Because it's got nothing to do with the sermon. I say it because I needed to get it out. (laughs) Janice won't listen. (laughs) She's not interested. (laughs) I say it because today there is no added time. It is finished. When Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. Complete. All the work's done. The birth, it's an interesting angle on it, but probably an angle on it. The life, particularly the death, the resurrection, it has completed our reconnection with a holy God. Ragamuffins, yes, but by this enormously amazing grace, we are now holy and blameless. I mean, do your heart good. Go home this afternoon and read Ephesians 1 and 2. It is incredible. I'll glance down at verse 3. We are blessed in the heavenly realms. Verse 3, still, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, holy and blameless. I've been going on a bit about that, have I not? We are adopted into sonship or daughtership. I don't believe that the woman get out of those things in Scripture where it says, brothers, I urge you. I think it should say, brothers and sisters, I urge you. I don't think uh, the Lord would be against that. And here, sonship. We're adopted into his family. Verse 6, we have, we're the praise of his glorious grace, a glorious grace. Verse 7, we have redemption. Verse 7, we have the forgiveness of sins that we've already assented to and confirmed in our hearts at the start of the service and in the worship. We have a grace that is not just sort of given to us. It's lavished upon us in verse 8. And in verse 9, he made known to us the truth of what goes on in the world that we live in. The idea that this world goes around graceless People struggling for sense of belonging. People struggling to be loved unconditionally. People spending money to try and get themselves loved. People doing all kinds of things in order that they might get accepted in a world that only accepts us from the outside. Into that we've got this glorious grace making known to us the truth that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's a gift lavished on us given by God. Verse 13, marked with a seal. And then when we move into the second part of the chapter, which I use during the week of prayer as one of Paul's prayers, what we've just been singing here, in verse 18, Paul doesn't pray that we will get those things. Paul doesn't say, look, we've got, um, uh, there's blessing here. He doesn't say we have holiness here and blamelessness here. He doesn't say we we can be adopted here or we can have this love lavished on us here. He doesn't say that we could have the forgiveness of sins or we could be redeemed if we. No, in verse 18 he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, as we've just been singing, would be enlightened to what we already have, who you already are. 
We were watching a movie in the summer. I have a problem with movies that's actually a great advantage. Can't remember what happens. I've watched the Pelican Brief about ten times. Still couldn't tell you how it ends. Which is really helpful because you can watch it again and not know how it ends. So it's exciting every time. But when you come to coding movies, it's not so good. So we were watching one in the summer, and I can't remember exactly where it was. I think that man Firth was in it. Um, but anyway, there was this incident in it where they went dancing, and there were two young people dancing among older people that could do it. And, and uh, the teacher says to them, head up, young person, head up, young person. And now when I go out to do some things that I might not be encouraged to do, they couldn't be at Fitzroy at all. No, they definitely couldn't be. Uh, Janice will say to me, head up, young person. She still believes. She still believes that I'm young. But anyway, um, head up, young person. And I want to say is, head up Fitzroy Presbyterian, head up young person, head up middle-aged person, head up older person, because you are redeemed, and you are grace-lavished, and it is within you, and we pray the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened to it. There's a wee thing here that maybe explains this a little bit, because haven't we got those two coins and we're already a wee bit confused? Last week he was telling us we were... I don't know what he was telling us, but we weren't good. And this week he's telling us we're holy and blameless. Now, how does that work? Well, it is two sides of the one coin. And when we look at it theologically, as if I would dare to do in this congregation with so many theologians around me, it is the difference between, I guess, two things called positional holiness and practical holiness. In other words, I'm looking out at us and I'm saying that in Christ there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It is finished. Grace lavished. Redeemed. Holy and blameless. That is our position before God. That is how God sees us because he no longer sees us, but he sees the Christ who has come and done the business for us. Practical holiness takes a little bit longer, especially if the referee blows up when United might lose. There are things that come out at times that you're saying, that's not holiness, Steve. That's not blameless. And what I'm saying to us today is that Between us and God, we are the things that Ephesians 1 says. But practically, don't we all have a bit of a way to go? That's why the Holy Spirit is sent as a seal here in this passage. A seal guaranteeing what God's going to do. In Philippians, I am confident of this, that he who started the good work in you will carry it on to completion. Remember Mumford and Sons last week we were quoting? It's not the journey that we find a welcome at the end of. It's the welcome at the start, the welcome at the beginning. That's grace. We are welcomed in at the beginning and we are redeemed. And from there, practical redemption in every aspect of our lives moves on. I met a friend and when I was the assistant minister in First Antrim. I was down playing five aside and and the forum in Antrim with my elders and uh, sort of saw this guy across the changing rooms afterwards. And you don't like eyeing up guys in changing rooms afterwards. It doesn't sometimes do well, especially if you're the assistant minister in First Antrim or the minister in Fitzroy. But I looked at him and I thought, that's my mate from school. We were best mates up to O-level. And then he left. And I hadn't seen him in about 10 years. And I'm thinking, and I could see him sort of eyeing me up too. And I was thinking, well, I hope it is. And, um, and then eventually he said to me, I, I looked up at him and I says, Lightning, is that you? Because he was so slow on the football pitch that we called him Lightning. <laughs> and, um, and he looked down at me and he says, Scruff. I've no idea why they called me that. Um, and I says, it is. And he says, what are you doing in Antrim? And I says, well, actually, I work here now. I'm the assistant minister in First Antrim, and these are my elders who were now watching very carefully. And he went, 
oh my word, something must have happened. Because when he knew me, I was this militant atheist that looked more like an assistant minister or a minister than he don't know, well, still probably don't. Anyway, I wasn't that kind of material. But God loved me in my ugliness, made me sense I belonged. And from that place of love and belonging, he moves in us, still a long way to go. But it's happening. It's happening, not only as individuals, but it's happening to us as a fellowship. Positionally, we are holy. Practically, it's a work in progress. I wrote a song once with a guy from England called Soaked in a Dearer Wine, and it was about, I think I got it from Mike Riddell, a sermon, a talk that he did at Greenbelt. And he talked about how he had this woman in his church who had a drug addiction and how she moved from the drug addiction to uh, being at the front of the church praying on a Sunday morning. And he said her prayers were absolutely awesome. And then every so often she would end up in the gutter. And, and he said in that talk, he said, you know, we're not promised that we'll be completely holy this side. We're not promised a complete fix. But he said, it might be heresy, but I believe it was true. That God loved her just as much And she was as much holy and blameless in his sight in the gutter as as she was when she was praying great prayers at the front of the church. That's the grace I believe in. And we long for that practical holiness to kick in and we want it to happen faster than sooner. I've been watching another movie that annoys me slightly and yet at the same time there's some great stuff in it. The Invention of Lying. You can tell where I am straight away if you've seen that movie. There's bits of it really annoys me and there's bits that are really profound. There's bits of it that are almost anti-Christ and there are bits of it that are almost the gospel. And it all is woven up in this comedy that probably the writer-directors weren't even thinking in the terms I've just said when they were writing it. It's this world where nobody lies. That means I come in here this morning and I tell it as it is. We really don't want it. That means when you come in here this morning, you shake hands with somebody at the door, they say, good morning, do you know I really hate you? That's what happens in this world. Nobody lies. Do you know this morning that your hair is a mess? You would come in and somebody would say, did you look at the mirror this morning when you came out? It's that kind of world. And suddenly he discovers that you can lie. This is where it gets a little bit awkward. And he starts to tell people that he doesn't like that he likes them. And it changes their lives. Saves one guy from suicide. And you're sitting wrestling with this going, what am I trying to say here? Do we want to? And then I realized that no, in the movie, in the movie where the problem is, it's not truth and lie. It's that it's outward appearance versus inner dealing. So the woman he loves won't love him because genetically they would end up with stubby nose and really podgy. I mean, I married Janice to give my children a chance. But uh, so you can understand the kind of scenario that's going on in his mind. But suddenly, because we start to look at the inner, because he starts lying in that world and starts to look at the inward, people start to change. I don't think because they are lied to, actually, in the movie. Because we see past what the world's veneer of truth is. And the impetus of love in the movie begins to cause human flourishing and change. And the impetus of us getting this this morning is that if we get this, 
It's going to cause our spiritual growth. Singer T-Bone Burnett once said, the more you try to be loved, the less lovable you are. Do you know when we try to be loved, we try to get attention, we do things to get attention, and that's the very thing that loses us our attention or whatever else? Do you know what it would be if we just knew we were loved and we weren't seeking attention and we just were ourselves? Suddenly people would see us as we are. And we would relax. And the gifts that we have and the personalities that we have would grow and develop so that we would become lovable. Not only positionally, but practically. So it's important that as ragamuffins, we understand that we are loved. Because when we understand that the God of the universe loves us, who cares about that person that doesn't love us on the street or in our class or in our work or wherever? Because we have the arms of God around us, loving us as we are. How many students will flock into this area in the next few weeks longing for that kind of love and we have it here it's been made known to us they're going to do all kind of things to get attention and to get love when we can say you are loved as you are by the God that created the universe and he didn't just talk about it he actually did something about it I'm on a Facebook discussion or I was last evening one of our other members was in it And uh, my Facebook friend, I've never met this guy, but uh, he said, suffice to say, all the holy books should be burned, being as they are, malevolent fairy stories designed to control and subjugate. I don't think it's the holy book that he wants to burn, but probably the misrepresentation of the holy book that he's heard. But many people have this belief that the scriptures are there to control and subjugate, whereas this passage is to free us from the fear that we have that people don't like us, or the fear we have that we're not good enough, or the fear that we have that we're not significant, to say you are loved and you are an heir. Royalty alongside ragamuffin. And the carrying of that is really important. Last week I said we are ragamuffins. This week I guess I'm saying we are royalty. Now, if we get the second one out of balance with the first one, we could become arrogant, judgmental, we could subjugate and control. But if we get the balance right, and I'm sometimes amazed at moments like this, where Fiona ends her prayer as I want to end the sermon, if we get the balance right, we do justice, we love kindness, and we walk humbly with our God. We are loved, but we need to make sure that we carry it gently and graciously. Saying to the world outside, we are ragamuffins, but because of what Jesus has done, everything has changed. We are now loved, accepted, forgiven, redeemed, And you can know that love as well. That will cause us, I believe, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly as ragamuffins made royalty before our God. Let us pray.
that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to what we are, not to what we have to work to become. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we would know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Lord, may we know that we are loved, that on the cross you cried, it is finished. May we rest in our positional holiness but strive towards the practical holiness that your grace wants to bring into our lives. May we worship you, praise you, and give you thanks for who we are in you. Amen.